few words on a piece of paper. A sudden moment of clarity. A life changed forever. Throughout the ages, people have been challenged, inspired, moved and transformed by the words of the world's divine educators. My name is Sean Hinton, and in Season 2 of this podcast, Moments of Meaning, I talk to people whose lives have been profoundly affected by the sacred writings of the Baha'i Faith and ask them about the story of how it happened. Today's guest is Atieno Mboya, who is an academic in the field of international and environmental law. Born in Nairobi, Kenya, and after 25 years of working around the world, currently living there again. Atieno, will you read the quote for us, please? The art of music is divine and effective. It is the food of the soul and spirit. Through the power and charm of music, the spirit of man is uplifted. Do you remember when you first heard this quote? I first became aware of this quote as a teenager, I think, um, when I was considering um, sort of which school I would go to from primary school. And uh, I thought, you know, I want to go to a, a secondary school that has a good music program to it, because in my primary education, which was actually in a Catholic school, we had so much music. And that's really where my love of music and singing grew. And I knew that transitioning to a secondary school that had music was important to me. And having grown up in a Baha'i family, I was also curious about, you know, the importance of music because I was so drawn to it as a field. And so I started reading the Baha'i writings to find out, you know, what do they say about music? And this is one of the quotes that I saw and I found it really touched my heart and expressed how I responded to to music itself and reinforced in me the understanding that music is an important uh, endeavor. And and so that's that's really the background that, that this quote um, has in my life. I think my experience of music has really been one of enrichment. I've found that music has enriched me spiritually, emotionally, and intellectually as well. Even from my childhood, um, like I say, going into Catholic school, a lot of the music was in the church. And uh, it really helped me connect with, you know, sort of the spiritual teachings of the church, um, you know, sort of the station of Jesus and, and the whole idea of, of getting closer to God. A lot of the masses were actually sung and we as students would be singing um, sort of the chorus with, with priests. So that was a really interesting experience for me in that I connected music with worship, which uh, had an impact on, uh, you know, my spiritual growth and my connection to, to spiritual truth. And even though I was a Baha'i myself, having grown up in one and going to a Catholic school, I felt that, um, you know, the music in that school in many ways merged my understanding of the two religions as being interrelated and really continuous aspects of a, a universal truth, which is the spiritual oneness of religion and the spiritual oneness of humanity. Now, you didn't pursue music as a profession, but it's been a passion of yours and, I know, part of your life throughout your career as an academic and a lawyer. Uh, yes, it was a conscious choice not to pursue music professionally because growing up in Kenya, I actually um, saw limited prospects for, you know, sort of a successful financial life as a musician during uh, my generation. And uh, I actually wasn't 
uh, ready to take that risk of entering a field where I might struggle economically. And this was because um, having been raised by a single mother, my parents divorced when I was 10 years old. Um, you know, I saw how, um, you know, my mother did a heroic job uh, in a career that uh, enabled her to raise seven children herself. And uh, had she not had a career that was lucrative in that sense, it would have been a very different outcome for us. So, so in my mind, certainly music in that period of time was not a lucrative field to go into. And I knew that I could always sing and play and learn music on the side. And, uh, and so it was a conscious decision not to go into it professionally, yes. Um, and so not doing it professionally in many ways has freed me to also explore music, different genres of music, um, you know, folk music in Kenya, which is uh, an area of growing interest for, for me even now, um, is something that I've been able to enjoy and, and just put together and learn more about. And then, of course, um, sort of the classical European music that I learned formally through high school and after high school is, has always remained with me as well. So let's, let's talk about the quote. In it, Abdul Baha describes music as food for the soul. And I know elsewhere in his writings he describes prayer in the same way. And there are other parallels, aren't there, in the Baha'i writings describing both music and prayer as ladders for our souls to ascend. What do you make of this connection between prayer and music? I see music as, um, if you like, a receptacle through which we offer prayers. You know, obviously one can, can pray without singing or without being in a musical context. Um, but in many ways, having music as the receptacle through which prayer is offered to me enhances the prayer and really stirs up um, emotions and sentiments that, um, that aren't necessarily present when one is, say, just speaking a prayer. Okay, or just quietly thinking a prayer. And, and I think it has to do with the patterns of music and, uh, you know, how music sort of has the beginning, it has its high point and it has its resolution. And I really feel like that pattern that almost every music everywhere has um, is something that really enhances prayer. And how have you experienced that in your own life and work? What comes to mind is when I was actually working as a janitor at the Baha'i World Center in Haifa, Israel. That was right after high school. And uh, my job was, you know, at 6 a.m., I'd be out there with the vacuum cleaner vacuuming this building for about an hour. And uh, that has to be the most difficult thing I ever did. One, I was not an early riser in the, before that. And so I had to be up at 5 a.m. to be at work by 6 a.m. And, you know, just the monotony of vacuuming, you can imagine that every morning after morning. And interestingly enough, I just would find myself singing, okay, singing, you know, different pieces that I had learned over time, whether it was... Um, you know, Schubert's Ave Maria or Andy Music, whatever the songs were that would rise in my heart. And these actually made my morning work really fly back, fly by really, really quickly. You know, vacuuming became not a monotony, not a monotony, but something that I looked forward to every morning because it was really a point in the day when I could just sing freely. There was hardly anybody in this building. It was just me and the other few janitors, and they all knew I loved to sing. And so, you know, I'd be singing for an hour in this building as I'm vacuuming, and uh, it really made a difference for me, and I felt that it helped me successfully um, complete that service of six months working as a janitor which was something 
I had never done before and which was physically very, very um, difficult for me. And uh, the music is really what pulled me through. In terms of my own career, um, you know, I, I went into law, as you mentioned, and, uh, you know, law is a, a lot about, you know, sort of reading and arguments and uh, justifications. And so music is really a place where I can just go back and uh, and sort of take a break from all the rationality of law. And of course, law itself sometimes has um, certain injustices inbuilt within it and a way to... Um, I guess a way to to work through um, some of the inadequacies of my professional field, I find that turning to music is, is a way to find sort of peace and healing and the strength to go on to make a positive contribution even in my own career. For me, it's actually helping me connect um, connect with others. Okay, One of the things I'm doing right now is I have... Um, a weekly um, musical get together with some of my old high school friends. And uh, it's it's interesting because we're all sort of at similar stages in our lives and we've reunited through singing. And, uh, you know, we've recorded a couple pieces now. And uh, whenever we meet on Sundays, we are talking about, you know, sort of what's going on in our lives. And we don't talk too long there. We, we actually want to sing. And that sense of unity and connection that we feel as, as women that are going through um, a stage of life um, together is really helping me cope um, with, with this sense of, you know, with the sense of moving into a new stage in my life. So it's, it's uh, you know, music is really, in, in many ways, bringing me back to my roots in Kenya and to the friends and relationships I had growing up that um, have a lot of meaning and importance to me through music. I am reconnecting with those relationships right now. Would you read the quote again for us? The art of music is divine and effective. It is the food of the soul and spirit. Through the power and charm of music, the spirit of man is uplifted. So how did this affect you personally and in your family life? Has it played a part in how you brought up your children? It's definitely affected the way I uh, chose to raise my children because I felt that this was a gift um, that I definitely wanted to pass on to them or certainly not be in the way of them receiving, um, just given its importance as the food for the spirit. And, you know, we are spiritual beings having, a, you know, a material experience. I think this is an expression that many of us are familiar with. And, um, you know, in the last 25 years of being a mother, I've really felt it's been important to to share that reality with my children. And the way to do it has really been through music. So, you know, as they were young, you know, we sang a lot and uh, played a lot of music around the house. And, uh, and, and I think both my son and daughter have um, have also found this truth of, of music helping uplift them in their own ways, and uh, they've taken it into their own lives. So in many ways, uh, I feel that, you know, the opportunity to pass it on to the next generation in my family was a very conscious uh, thing that I did. 
the important thing for me as a parent was um, to do the best I could to introduce them to what I felt was divine music and music that would help them grow spiritually. So that has been my focus as a parent. And with that foundation, um, you know, they can take it and merge it with all the other different genres that come their way and create maybe something new themselves. I know this is a really difficult question to answer, but given these similarities between prayer and music, can you say anything about how you feel when you listen to music or, or when you read this passage? I think that's a really interesting question, Sean, because one of the, I think one of the beauties of music is that it allows you to feel and express um, emotions and states that one cannot necessarily find words for. And so I feel like you're asking me to find words for something where I really find the expression in music rather than in words. <laughs> so, so that's interesting. Um, but let me, let me just give an example. Um, you know, like Brahms's um, Alto Rhapsody. Um, Brahms's Alto Rhapsody, you know, I learned it in German and it was a time where the internet wasn't around, so I actually wasn't sure what the words meant, but just the music itself, I could tell was, you know, it would, it would just give me a sense of, um, of feeling like I was being lifted up, but at the same time I could tell that there was, you know, some sorrow attached to this song. Okay, so, you know, there's the alto solo and then you have the male choir that backs the soloist. And in many ways, I felt like that song is, is really the metaphor of life where, you know, each of us is living life, you know, our life uh, journey is a solo experience, but the community we live in is there encouraging us and accompanying us. And, um, you know, for example, this Alto Rhapsody is, is one example of this uh, experience of life. And uh, then later on, when I, you know, sort of found out the meaning of, of uh, of the piece, I realized that, you know, it was, it's, in many ways, it's a sorrowful piece of his and his unrequited love. And, and that's what that piece is showing. But, uh, you know, the accompaniment of, of those male voices in many ways is also reflecting um, maybe an emotion that a, a man in a similar situation could understand, but he's not going through this pain and sorrow on his own, but he has, you know, sort of this whole um, community behind him. And, you know, that's one example. A second example, I would say, maybe a more simple, a simpler, uh, more ubiquitous example is, uh, is folk music. And specifically like Kenyan folk music where there's call and response. Again, there's always the soloist and the people responding to the soloist. To me, music in that sense is um, that metaphor of life where you're going through life with its ups and downs, but your community, your family, there are people there responding to the signals you're giving and encouraging you along the way. So in terms of, you know, that sense of accompaniment, that sense of togetherness in, in the journey of life, while ultimately the journey of life is an individual journey, I think that's one of the things I really um, get from, from music and sharing music and performing it with others. Just thinking about the different genres of music that I've 
that I've been exposed to. One of the things I really appreciate about folk music is that, um, you know, all voices are welcome. You know, um, everyone in the community can be a singer and, you know, whether you're sort of the soloist or whether you're part of the chorus and, you know, the differences between sort of folk music and, you know, the training I had with, um, um, you know, sort of more formal Euro European classical music where, you know, the soloist had to be the per person with the perfect voice, so to speak, you know, and, and even making the chorus is not guaranteed. So it's, it's also interesting to see how sort of music reflects um, sort of the cultural um, worldviews of the different peoples and, and what they say about who can be part of, of it and, and benefit from it. But, uh, you know, I think folk music really has a lot going for it in that sense, in that you know, as long as you're a member of the community, you can jump in there and and sing along and be part of that journey with everybody else. A lot of what we've been discussing is a quite personal and intimate experience with music and prayer. But sometimes music can affect societies. It, it can it can sort of spread and 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 unite people, you know, across the world. Talk a little bit about that and how, how you've experienced the power of music in society. I think for me, one of the most recent examples of that is uh, Master KG's Jerusalem piece. You know, this Jerusalem dance that's just taken off all around the world, um, you know, during the pandemic. And the interesting thing about that piece, of course, is that it's, it's actually a prayer. Jerusalem, <laughs> Sort of been taken and owned and interpreted in many different cultures through various dances and sort of a global dance as well. But it's really interesting that, you know, what is essentially a prayer about, um, you know, sort of the holy city Jerusalem has resonated globally and, uh, and, and in many ways to me is reflecting the spirit of, of a new Jerusalem, that promise that we have in the Baha'i writings of a new Jerusalem where you know, everybody in the world is welcome and can find a place to express and fulfill, um, you know, sort of their spiritual destiny. So, so that's to me is how I'm really reading that uh, that moment with the Jerusalem piece. Jerusalem, Thank you, Etienne. I think Jerusalem is a wonderful place to finish. Thank you so much for joining us on Moments of Meaning. The quote Atiena refers to comes from a talk Abdu'l-Bahá gave, just one of many passages in the Baha'i writings that praise and encourage music. Here, he refers to music as the food of the soul and spirit, Elsewhere in the Baha'i writings, other metaphors describe the spiritual impact music can have. We verily have made music as a ladder for your souls, a means whereby they may be lifted up into the realm on high. And elsewhere, a wondrous melody is wings for the spirit, and maketh the soul to tremble for joy. Spiritual food, a ladder for our souls, wings for the spirit, Interestingly, these metaphors from the Baha'i writings also describe the effect of prayer. So, clearly a powerful link connects the two. Abdu'l-Bahá also spoke about combining music and prayer and said that when we do this, the listener may be freed from chains of care and sorrow 
and his soul may leap for joy and humble itself in prayer to the realm of glory. But, like so many powerful things in this world, music must also be used with care and in moderation. Abdu'l-Bahá said, Whatever is in the heart of man, melody moves and awakens, and uses the cautionary example of martial music used in times of war. Baha'u'llah also cautioned us not to let music become wings to self and passion, nor cause us to overstep the bounds of propriety and dignity. Above all, the Baha'i writings make it clear that music, like prayer, provides a powerful tool we can each use in our own way on our spiritual journey and in our search for meaning. For more about the Baha'i faith and the Baha'i writings, head to baha'i.org. For the podcast notes for this episode, try baha'iteachings.org forward slash moments of meaning. Moments of meaning is presented by Sean Hinton, sound engineering by Jamie Heath, researched by David Langness, and produced by Radiance, Andriana, and the team at baha'iteachings.org.